Hi, and welcome back to the Career Launch System, courtesy of Air Reinhardt Bay Realtors. I'm your host, Kelly Roan, and I'm joined today by broker owner of Air Reinhardt Bay, Badger Beal. Good morning, Badger. Good morning. All right. So last episode, we discussed the databases and their power in building a cash flow in your business. And so this week, we're going to expand on that a little by covering the five areas in which almost all business comes in real estate. So Badger, let's first talk about and let's identify the five stages or five businesses of real estate. Yeah. So historically, there have been five general areas of real estate. And the last one really in the last several years has expanded dramatically. But they're real, real simply for sale by owners is one. Open houses is another source. Floor time was another source. Sphere of influence was another one. And expired listings. Expired listings. Thank you, Kelly. (laughs) I know these intimately, but I'm blank. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so those, those five, and really the the one that's really expanded in the last several years is sphere of influence and what that actually means and how do you ma- how do you convert that to transactions and relationships. So yeah, those are the three but or five. But anyhow, the other thing is what we see a lot of people do is they come out of real estate school and then they start their training and they're learning how to do a real estate transaction. Like, okay, I have a buyer. How do I set up showings? How do I run through that whole buyer process? How do we construct a purchase agreement? What are all the disclosures? What are the rules and laws around all of those things? And I call it the linear aspect of real estate. Okay, we have a buyer. We go from A to B, to C, to D, and eventually there's a settlement closing and buyers and sellers are happy and we finally earn a fee. Mm -hmm. So that would be the linear aspect of a buyer. Seller is kind of similar. Hey, we have a relationship. We go a listing agreement signed. We market the home. We position that. We negotiate the purchase agreement. And then we have a buyer and seller that go to a settlement and they get their money or a home. And then we get a fee and everybody's happy. So those are that's a linear aspect, but what isn't really covered, I think, with a lot of companies, and it just gets paid lip service, is how to earn money in real estate. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we have to make some money, or we're not going to be in the business. Company's not going to be open, and you know why are we doing this in the first place? I think I maybe said this on a prior podcast, but. Um, I think it was Bob Wolf out in Laguna Niguel, California, a realtor out there. He said, why are you getting into real estate? Because I love houses and I love people. And he said, give it six months. You'll hate them both. (laughs) So it's very, it's a difficult business. And at the end of the day, want to earn a living and build a career. So we want to be able to convert and create business. And how we do that is after we learn the linear aspects, which are critically important. It's going into, okay, the business of real estate. And that is a totally different conversation than the linear aspect, which is training. Okay. I think you're right. I think most most real estate programs you go through, they're going to teach you the nuts and bolts of how to deal with a customer once you have the customer, but they don't tell you, how do I get the customer in the first place? So right. th- these are really important steps for any new agent starting out. Yeah, and we have somebody right now in the company where I'm going to be meeting with today, and that's just happened you know, in the Midland office as to just things aren't going how I hoped, but this person is, you know, candidly in between some careers and 
you almost have to burn your ships and get in or mm-hmm. have a plan to transition in full time because if you're not in the flow, so to speak, right. um, it's hard to really get up to speed, uh, get escape velocity, I would say, or it's like a jet taking off or an airplane. You know, you have to go 100% for the first X number of years just to get get your career launched. Right. And I mean, we have this great system, but at the end of the day, I can't do it for you right. or anybody else. And and people have to do it on their own, just like I had to, you know? So, mm-hmm. But yeah, so those are the kind of a mindset and uh, a structure to what this section is really about. We'll try to get through these pretty quick. So. Right. so why don't we start with number one? And I have these kind of in an order that is actually in our career launch system program. So let's start with for sale by owners. Yeah, so for sale by owners are people that are advertising their home to sell themselves, and they are saying, "Hey, at some in some fashion, we want to sell our house." So those are people that are jumping up and down, waving their hands, saying, "Hey, I want to sell my house because I have a next step in life planned." And there's people doing that for all sorts of different reasons, but the number one reason is typically they want to save the commission, and so then we have to. There's all sorts of strategies and dialogue around that conversation. Mm-hmm. And those are easy to find and plentiful out there. And on our virtual platform with leading real estate companies of the world, there's you can go knock yourself out in that. And the resources there are endless. So for sale by owners are people that, hey, you, you reach out to them in some fashion and try to get them to build a relationship with you and eventually hire you to sell their house. Historically, nationwide, I think it was 83% of 83 or 87% of all for sale by owners eventually list with a realtor. So do people sell their homes themselves? Yes, but a lot of them do not. And in the market right now, the percentage I'm sure is higher. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a, it's a definitely it's definitely a great source of business if you're steady eddy and consistent with it and commit to it and get good at it. And yeah, I guess that's about I it. I agree. Even in today, I mean, even with today's market where I feel like it's it's very seller centric, you know what I mean? There's so many buyers out looking for houses. We even had that transaction this year. It was a, a friend of mine who was selling his home, tried to list it for sale by owner, had it up for quite a bit of time in the fall, had like three people come through it. And the moment he listed it, we had already knew somebody who we who we knew wanted to get in there and get it. But I mean, he had like eight showings in the first day and ended up selling it for like, I think 5,000 over what he had it listed for for sale by owner, which was high for the market, but still got that money because there's just this huge pool of buyers. But those people, we're not looking at his for sale by owner, but as soon as it hit the market, it was gone the same day. So Yeah, and a lot of for sale by owners historically, the people that are looking there, they're looking at a sliver of the market. They're, I'm speaking globally here, I guess. A lot of the people that are looking at for sale by owners, not all of them, but a lot, are looking to save the brokerage fee as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's, not, it's pretty difficult for both parties to save the brokerage fee. And right. typically what I see coming in behind these transactions is the buyer either steals the property, gets a smoking great deal on it, or they paid way too much. And I'm not saying that's true in every case, but I see that a lot. It's just a reality that's out there and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole mindset around that transaction and 
buyers and sellers relative to for sale by owners, how I conduct my business or an, an agent would conduct their business around mm-hmm. that. And there's healthy ways to do it and there's unhealthy ways. And so that's just com- another conversation we have on the company without going into it too deep here. Right, right. So because there's a whole podcast probably dedicated to for sale by owners somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so anyhow. All right. Um, so and- let's move on to our number two, which is expired listings. Yeah, so expired listings are kind of similar. They were listed with an agent, and for whatever reason, they did not sell. There's lots of different reasons for this. Three out of four cases, it's priced too high. So anyhow, so there's a house on Smith Street. It's been on the market for six months, and they, for whatever reason, they didn't have a, didn't get a purchase agreement on that property. You can solicit those after they expire, as long as they're outside of our company. And then try to form a relationship. You're going to hear relationship a lot with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, form a relationship so they would, okay, switch agents and hire you to sell their house. Again, there, this, there's lots of information around this with uh, leading real estate companies of the world. Just resources we have in the company. I have tons of stuff on uh, for sale by owners, expires from, that I've collected through the years. But then again, it's the commitment to do it. And then the health, a healthy mindset around it. You know, it's like, okay, you're not going to get every single one for sure. Right. But all right, wh- how, what what are my realistic expectations about that piece of business? So Kelly, we talked about business one for sale by owners, business two expires, and what's the third one? Open houses. Open houses. Open houses is how I really built my career, and you know, because for sale by owners are difficult, expired listings are difficult. Open houses are time consuming, but they're not as hard. Right. And it's what's cool about open houses is, is that you meet people face to face and you have a chance to form a relationship in person. We're actually going to talk about how important that is in our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those relationships are critical in face to faces and it, it gives you a, a chance to really have more connected relationships or opportunities. It's not like you're picking them calling them on the phone or you're sending them a letter, you're, they're actually meeting you. And there's this thing that our best billboard is ourselves. So is your car clean or did you clean up? Are you sleeping? Are you hungover? Are you, you know, how do you present yourself at this open house? And then you have an opportunity to resonate with a potential buyer. And a lot of the people going through open houses as well are looking for realtors that they resonate with to sell their house or they're going to buy a house, but they're also, in order to buy the house, they got to sell a house. The National Association of Realtors has statistics on this. These are a little older, but they're very representative still, I believe. 1% of the people going through an open house actually buy the house. So I, I tell you, I built my career on open houses. I used to do six a weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday, 1130 to one, 130 to three, <coughs> 330 to 430 and Saturday and Sunday. And I think I sold two houses directly from an open house. And I was doing these probably 35, 40 weeks out of the year. I wasn't real smart, but I figured I could show up a lot. <laughs> so, um, but anyhow, I'm, I'm still have tons of those you know, clients today from 25, 30 years ago doing those open houses. So there's, again, mindsets and training and schools of thought around how to do open houses. The best way for me might not be the best way for you. So you have to develop your own strategy there. And we all operate a little differently. And that goes back to unique ability and then your mindset. 
And then how consistent are you and how tenacious are you? And do people know, like, and trust you? So when they come through that open house, it's a it's an opportunity for them to, one, get to know you, to kind of get to like you, and then maybe trust you. And then you have an opportunity for that relationship for a piece of business. Yeah, and I think that's important when you think about it. Coming into an open house, your main objective isn't always selling that house. It could be just a buyer who's coming in who maybe wasn't working with an agent. They're coming in to look at the house. The house might not be the right fit for them, but you might have that opportunity to have the conversation about what you can do for them as a buyer's agent. I think it's a a common misconception, especially I noticed this amongst my friends, a lot of whom are like first time home buyers. They're not recognizing that as a home buyer, you often don't pay a commission to your real estate a broker. It normally comes from the seller side. So to me, it's like, it's a no brainer to, to find somebody you like, find somebody you, you know, you resonate with and have them help you do this search because they have so many more resources available than even you have as just, you know, someone searching for a home. So it's good to have those conversations and you could easily just pick up a customer and help them find the house that they, they're looking for. It might not be that specific one. Yeah. It might be down the street or across right. town or, but it might be, it's probably more than likely going to be in that price range. Right. And, and I, my mindset at open houses was I was always there to get, if I had two open house or uh, six open houses, two days, I want two relationships or potential relationships out of that weekend that go into my database, my mm-hmm. contact list that I can follow up with and then see them next week at another open house. Right. Right. And so eventually they get tired of seeing me. And, <laughs> and but anyhow, that's just kind of how it works. And that's why the database in our contact list or our cash base is so important because we want to maintain these names. And then what are your techniques at the open house? How do you engage in conversation? If you go into that, somebody walks into the open house and you're trying to like, hey, buy this house. This is great. Did you see the double oven in the kitchen? It's the best. Everybody loves these. They're gonna, you're going to just push them away. Right. And you don't even know what's important to them or not. And it just it gives you an opportunity to practice this other saying I heard from uh, another trainer years ago, Danny Cox. It was on an audio cassette back in like 1991. And he said, home sell themselves. Realtors screw up the deal. And so if we're pushy, 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 they're going to run, run, run. I know if somebody comes up to me at a store that's really pushy, instead of really being having some style and class about themselves, I am not going to do business with that person. So I presume other people are kind of like me that way. I think most are. And so just you want to you know, just talk. They're human beings. And and don't overcomplicate this business. So I have to ask, were you like a brownie and cookie guy? Did you always have snacks at your open No, houses? I never had food. No. <laughs> but I always had music. Oh, right? good. Yeah, good call. Good call. Right. And I had playlists that were stuff that I liked, you know, and I tried to be, you know, mellow and lots of different genres. But I had I sold a house. Funny you ask that because I did have music in almost every open house. And once Bluetooth came out, that was a big deal because right. like, now I'm not carrying like a CD player around <laughs> or a cassette player. But I had a customer come through. I still remember the guy. I remember the house. The people. I'm still in touch with them. He said, "Badger." And he came back through the open house later on, and he came through it early. Then he and his wife came through again, and they bought the house. This is one of the few. And he says, Badger, the reason we want to work with you 
is because you had awesome music in your open house. <laughs> and there so you go. it's like, go figure that out, you know? Yeah. And so I'll take it. And there's super cool people and uh, really nice. Yeah, I run into uh, these people uh, every once in a while and they're cool. They're still on my in my database. Nice. I might let they, they get my propaganda right. and it's cool. all good. So. All right, so let's move on to number four, floor time calls. Floor time. So floor time is like a love-hate relationship in the real estate business. So what floor time is, is I'll, I'll back up a little bit. The state of Michigan mandates that if we have open business hours, that we have to have somebody there to answer questions on site. So we that's been a little fuzzy with some companies through the last few years with everything being virtual and COVID and everything. Hey, can I do that remote, this, that? And we want people on site. And I think most companies do that. I think that's the interpretation of the of the laws. If you have open, uh, if you have uh, business hours and in order to have a brokerage license and being holding yourself out to the public, uh, it used to be that you had to have regular business hours. And of course we do. And our business hours are comprehensive and Midland mm-hmm. and basically they're a little truncated because it's harder to man the floor time. So what the floor time is, is that you have to be on the floor. So you have to be present in the building to help people out that walk in and have inquiries or call in on the telephone. Or we even have it now if they email in that that person gets that potential lead. Mm -hmm. So that's what floor time is. So floor time is somebody calls in and it's amazing how this happens that they call in, say, yeah, I want to talk to somebody about, I have a question on 123 Smith Street and, and Diane at her front desk in Midland or Carrier in Bay City would say, well, thank you so much. Let me uh, connect you with our our floor person that's here, and I'm going to pass it back to Jim. So Jim picks it up, and what does Jim say? How does Jim handle that call? What's your dialogue? Um, do you have a plan with that phone call, or are you just winging it? Mm-hmm. And what's your mindset around that phone call? And you so... Floor schedules are different. They're, they rotate around, so they're fair to everybody. But also, there they, can be long periods of time where there's no activity, and then there can be a, a floor session that's just busy. And so part of that is a mindset as to floor time, and we call it like cash time So or build your business. So that's when you can get homework done. You can practice dialogues. You can stud, build your business. And prospect in that time in different ways. And so how do you make that, say it's a two to four hour shift, how do you make that two to four hours really productive if you're, there's no phone calls? And so that's one of the things with floor time is that you can't predict it. And you can get one phone call that can make your year huge and you can sit there and twiddle your thumbs. But I, I'm just here to say, if you have a positive mindset, floor is a lot more productive. Right. This year, I know we we kind of started putting together the idea and it was tying into the career launch system about Floor Time University, where there were going yeah, to be things. Forgot about them. <laughs> there were going to be, yeah, when you're there, I mean, make the most of your time. You know, you don't need to sit there and just, you know, peruse Facebook or play a video game just to pass the time. Like, it's a, it's a great opportunity where you have this time blocked off, you know, every week or every other week, depending on how it's all set up, where you can 
practice these things that we're teaching you in the career launch system. So I think that's just a great yeah. utilization of time. And like we said, now we have uh, some resources in the office even to work with you and help build upon those. You know, maybe that's a great time for you to learn an aspect of maybe the Google system that you're not or the G Suite system that you're not familiar with or to work with Jenna on building your website and, and making a little more rich. I mean, there's lots of opportunities there. So I think that's a a, a great it's a great concept, even though some people aren't always fans of the floor time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some people are really great at it, at converting business, and other people just are not. Right. And so then we go to school on the people that are great. Mm-hmm. And we know who they are. And we can we, we definitely want people to sit and mentor and get tutored by them. Basically, it comes down to your energy and your curiousness about the other people and trying to help them instead of trying to push them. And it's a, it, again, that's a mindset. Exactly. And I think even like new agents starting out on floor time, one of the the best resources or, or objectives that you can obtain by sitting there on floor time might just be the conversations you overhear. You know, when you have an agent who's doing a, a fair amount of business, they're in the office quite a bit. And so you hear the conversations they have with their customers. You see the things that they're doing. You You start to pick up on their routine. And those are all good things to observe. And then uh, take that and, and figure out how that how that was going to work in your career and how you can kind of emulate those things to to boost yourself up. Yeah, we call that, you know, there's we talk about flow with prospecting that we'll get into in 10 seconds here. <laughs> but then um, the other flow that we forget about, we know about it, but we don't talk enough about it is flow within the company. Like just like Kelly just alluded to, you know, get, hearing the conversation. Hey, do you know of anybody looking we sell so many houses and pieces of property through conversation in the hallways and the wisdom you pick up. You just had a question. Somebody's right there. You can talk to them. You can see them. They can show you things. And that's really difficult to get in a virtual community. So the virtual platforms are like great for the linear aspect of real estate. That's fine. And you can get that and you can teach that. But it's not good when you leave that linear aspect and go into the money-making business of real estate, which is human relationships yeah. and, and connection. So, um, but the flow, part of that is being in the office so you can get the richness of the business in the office and the energy of people doing business. And they do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So number five, sphere of influence. Obviously, this kind of ties back into the databases that we kind of went over pretty extensively, but we'll talk a little bit about it. And then we'll kind of get into the idea of a business plan how to put that together and and the importance of it. So let's just kind of hit sphere a little bit. Yeah, so sphere of influence is, it used to be the Kiwanis Club, <laughs> Lions Club, <laughs> right. Chamber of Commerce, um, Rotary, you know, go to your church. You know, what activities are you in outside of the office? Right. Right. So are you on a softball team, a bowling league, uh, whatever? Kids sports. Kids team. sports, yeah. And so it's relationships and where do you have all these relationships at. And and that was the old sphere of influence. So how does my sphere of relationships, how do I properly and with dignity and style, just you don't have to like hardcore market it, but just, hey, I'm in real estate. How do they know you're in real estate? Uh, Nicely, softly, but don't be 
um, invisible. And so that was the historical sphere of influence, and it still is, and it's still powerful, and it's still super duper valid. The confusion comes right now is with social media. That's the new piece of sphere, and that almost maybe is the sixth piece of business. But we get people that get really caught up in social media, but mm-hmm. I say really track the amount of business that comes out of it because you can spend a ton of energy there. And the amount of business that really comes from that might be negligible. I think the people that can pull that off are one, just like any other business, it's it's a commitment and you have to work it. And there are agents that do do that. But a lot of times it's capitalizing on other business you've already done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think at some point in time, you create a monster that you're feeding and it's really difficult to do business because you're constantly feeding that social media monster. And so what happens if you're, what I see is agents build a career and they get busy and they're successful. And then they've got all this stuff they have to maintain. And it's like, whoa, where does my business truly come from? And so what we want people to look at is at the end of the year, where did each transaction come from? Where did that relationship start? Mm-hmm. And did it really start on social media? So look at it, you know, so we did these other four businesses of real estate for sale by owners, expireds, open houses and floor, and then sphere, say traditional sphere. And then what business came from all those areas and then what business came from social media. And it's something that's there. I think time will tell with this. I don't think the verdict's totally out on it. But for me, it's one, it's a stress point. If I take care of all the other stuff. I find that I don't need the social media. I think we need to be there, have us be visible. Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like you have a presence on social media, but that's not something that we focus on. Right. You know, we don't have plans of every week how we how right. we tackle it. We a lot of times we really piggyback off the company and what the company puts out there social media wise and by sharing those things and it and it accomplishes the, the task. Right. And some people capitalize on it and do well, but I would just say be aware and keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's another spot for business. And that, we put that under the sphere category. So, yep. yeah, Kelly, so that's it. The other thing we're running long-winded here, I want to touch on real quick, right? Business plans mm-hmm. and- Business resources. Oh, business resources, yeah. So business- and goals. And goals. goals. So it all comes back to relationships. And then you. I, I talked about mindset a lot. What's your mindset? What are your goals? You know, how do you how do you rock and roll? What was and are you can you build a business into your strengths? So there's business plans like how how are you going to go about building your career? I tell agents, hey, we need leads. We you know, they want leads, leads, leads. I said, look, if you're relying on the company for leads, now maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think this is true in like any company, you're probably not gonna make it in the business. You know, you have to build your own company. The company will give you leads, but you can't bank on those. You have to go out and and meet people, talk to people. So if you're afraid to talk to people, it's probably not a good industry for you. Right. So you need to plan on how to do that strategically and consistently to expose yourself to folks. You know, we have people do tons of business through their church, tons of business through the uh, fraternal organizations in town. You know, I'm a I'm a, a avid bicyclist, and people that I bike with just call me up, or people mm-hmm. from their golf leagues. 
And so how do you, how are you strategically in the flow as best you can to hit your business goals? And that's really what a business plan's about. And they're not complicated. And I'm really, I've had really long ones and I've had like super short ones. I'm a believer current where my brain is currently, if it doesn't fit on one page, it's too big. Right. So yeah, so business plans and resources for these, they're endless. If you don't have, if you can't find a sample business plan, it means you're not trying very hard because they're <laughs> right. everywhere. We, I have the, about five, six in, in my office. Leading Probably real, more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leading real estate companies of the world just has this huge resource. The Ninja program but, yeah. that we're in has, you know, multiple different styles of business plans and mindsets and ways to build that business plan are, I'm happy to help people with it and talk through it. But at the end of the day, um, individually, we have to do it. One of the big things that we don't talk about is the realtors are independent contractors. So the broker has technically no direct control. So I can't make you do a business plan. I'd love for you to do a business plan. I'd love for you to get these strategies in place. I'd love for you to go do all this educational stuff and sell a bazillion dollars worth of real estate, but I can't make you do it. Right. And so we had somebody one time and said, real estate is really hard. It re just really exposes myself as to what I do and what I don't do. <laughs> you know, and it's like so true because it's it's like, hey, and we're going to get into this down the road. It's called looking in the mirror. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I'm really not doing very well. Well, you know, I had a coach one time, Bob Bowling says, mirror, mirror. He said, go look in the mirror, Beal. You know, right, or I'm exactly. having a bad day or something like that. And it's taking responsibility for ourselves and not giving our power away to some third party or somebody so and it's it's all mindset yeah so exactly. come on board and I'll, I'll help you do it as best i can but i can't do it for you well and i think that's the whole point of this system i mean we're we're trying to give you all the tools all the resources and really just like past knowledge and experiences that we've all been through in trying to come in and, and start a career maintain a career you know, expand that career. And like you said, we, we have this great basket. We can give you the basket, but if you don't utilize the stuff that's in it, and if you don't put it to use, there isn't really anything else that, that we can do. But I do think that out of all the companies that, you know, I've had experience with that we probably have the most powerful training platform in our area. I think we're giving you a lot more than what most would. And so I think that you have a really great chance of succeeding in here. I think that's why when we talk about the career launch system, we talk about trying to find the right personality. We That's kind of what we focus on because we know the right person who utilizes our tools is going to succeed. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is just having the mindset of growth. Yep. And getting in it, uh, what I want to say was the, the culture of the company, when you're in the office, in the hallways, with other people around that are doing things and they're busy and they have problems in transactions or they just had a huge transaction close or a little, little one that was a real pain in the rear end, they took it to a closing and the people are really excited and happy. And you're around that energy, it's contagious. But when you're at home on a computer, it's hard to get that. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Virtual is great, but face-to-face -face is, you know, definitely is the icing on the cake. For sure. There's spots for both, and they're both important. 
But and plus, it's just more fun to not yeah, be alone. Exactly. I say this all the time. I don't want to do this business alone. It's too brutal. I need right. somebody to complain to and to help cheer on and cheer have me a out. drink with afterwards. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, at least one. All right. Well, I think it's a good transition point. So again, if this sounds interesting to you, stay tuned for our next podcast where we will be talking about face-to-face appointments. So great ending there, Badger. In the meantime. Head to our website, arhousebay.com forward slash careers. There you'll find links to our other podcasts, our upcoming video series, contact information for Badger, Jim, and Melissa. Feel free to reach out, uh, text, call. They love talking on the phone, so that's always our preferred method. But just reach out. It all starts with a conversation. All of our conversations are confidential. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Kelly.